Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Hob Session. Tonight we do part two of Julia Pastrana. Heidi. Yes, Becky. Now we're going to talk about what happened to Julia after her death. All right. So just to recap, we've left Julia after she gave birth to her son. Her son died two days later. Julia then died because of complications during childbirth. So that's where we left the story last week. This week, we're going to talk more about her husband, Theodore Lent, and what he did mm -hmm. after the death of his wife and son. Now, if you got upset with last week's podcast about what happened to her throughout her life, you're probably going to throw some things around the house when you discover what indignities she faced in death. So basically, after Julia and her son died, Lent did something so unthinkable oh. and devastating that it's almost hard to believe. Mm -hmm. He paid 500 pounds to have the bodies of his wife and his child embalmed. And he sold them to the Anatomical Museum in Moscow. Isn't it horrific to imagine that's the first... I mean, it, even if he didn't love Julia, this is mm. his son. Yes. <laughs> this is, and from what we know, his only child. Yes. <laughs> no sentimentality at all to uh, Theodore, is there? Look, there's not a lot, is there? <laughs> and not and a lot. It, gets, it gets worse because the embalmers did such a great job and he was so impressed that he decided to then buy them back <laughs> and put them in glass display cases built especially for them and exhibit them. I cannot stand, even if you give historical context for the time, even if you place the need for financial gain, what part of a human being on the death of anyone, never mind someone you're supposed to actually love, what kind of person in any era thinks, oh, cool, right, excellent, got to stuff that, shove it in a you know, glass case and make more money off it. What the hell? Lent does. Lent it, is the kind of person who does that. He is a really bad man. Like, okay. you know how there's that idiom, oh, he'd sell his grandmother for a <laughs> This guy yeah. takes that to a literal level almost. He does, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he, he, he said, hold my beer, I can do worse. He my said, hold God. my beer. It, it, oh my it's gosh. just mind-blowing to me that, that that is his um instinctive uh, 
reaction to the death of his child and his wife. And and it, it this is not even the worst part. It no, I was about worse. to say I was it just does about get to say, worse. Obsessive, really, truly remove objects from around you because you're going to start throwing things if you have any humanity in you at all. Take a deep breath. (gasps) So the tour started in London and then around the world. And at some point in the tour, a young lady joined him. Oh, God. Her name was Marie Bartel, and she had the same congenital condition as Julia. Yep. She was, as it turns out, his second wife. Yes. He'd met her a few years after Julia's death, and despite promising to never exploit her as he had his first wife, he forced her to be part of his show. Claiming that it was the younger sister of Julia. He changed her name to Zenora Pestrama. So he didn't even let her keep her name. And and she was a literal replacement for the one he'd lost. Yes. I mean, so he lost this one who was a great money spinner. Let's stuff it, including my son. Yes. And put them on display. And you know what? Actually, no, I do need a replacement. So excellent. You'll do. There are so many, many levels here of him just being so wrong that so you don't wrong. know where to begin. You don't know what to be angry with him about. And um, Marie had a very different life from Julia. Yes. She actually did have a caring family. She had um, a father who actually did care about who she was marrying Lent had to ask for her hand in marriage and she seems to have quite a lot of self-confidence and self-worth which often comes from from having a family that cares about you yeah Julia didn't have yeah this goes back to our original conversation of our previous podcast did um Julia be an active partner in a business partner in making herself famous I don't think so, because it was quite clear that he had no boundaries on what no. these women actually wanted for themselves. No, no. And and um, Marie, as I said before, only married him under the condition that she would not have to join his show, oh. that she would be a wife and not a performer. And what he a, broke that promise to her. What a pig. I'm what calling pig. it. He's a pig. He is an absolute pig. And there's some really bizarre story about the courtship where he used to throw plums over her father's garden fence. Plums! Because that (laughs) apparently is impressive. Is it? Apparently. This is why we're both single, Heidi. Oh, look, if you live in the brain of of this, this very, very strange man, then... Maybe it's romantic. I don't is there know. some kind of Victoriana uh, symbolism attached to plums that we don't know about? Well, I don't know. I mean, there is some Charles Dickens novel. I think it might be Nicholas Nickleby, but I think there's a courtship scene there where somebody's throwing vegetables over a garden wall. <laughs> oh, so really? Maybe it was a Victorian era thing. I don't know. 
I don't well, know. There you go. Maybe but someone anyway. out there knows and they can let us know. Uh, yes, but, you know, whatever, regardless of the plum throwing. Well, just remember, Heidi, if you're sitting there and you're, you know, reading a nice little book up in your apartment and yeah. suddenly you see fruit hit your window, <gasps> you are in there, girl. Oh, my God. All this time I thought it was birds. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go outside anymore. You just have to sit in the garden and wait for fruit wait for to some arrive. Plums to come over the fence. <laughs> My word. Oh dear. Oh yeah. So, Paul Marie. Yeah, Paul Marie. Paul Marie. Now, not only did she have to perform for an audience, which she was told that she would not have to do. She had to do so in front of the display cases <gasps> no. that housed her husband's first no. wife and child. No. So Julia and her son were part of the set design. Oh, my God. They were, they were props. props. They were props. They were props. You know, just when you think this man can't get any worse, he does. It does. But... Becky, it does get better. Yeah, I, I think we it both gets know the better. happy ending so, here. We might leave that, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So there Ma- is good news to come, guys. There is good news because Marie gets a reprieve soon. Yes. Now, normally, I don't think either of us would, would be amused by anybody Absolutely becoming not. mentally ill Absolutely and, and having to go to a mental hospital. Normally, we would take that very seriously. So, basically, Lent started behaving very badly. He started very, not badly, very strangely. He started eating money. No, he's already done badly. By he's already done he badly. <laughs> now he's behaving strangely. He's eating money. What? Yeah. I did not come across this. Did he, he ate money? He ate money. And, and when somebody like this starts to eat money rather than spend it and hoard it, you know something's wrong. <laughs> well, so, can I just say at this point, there's a sort of poetic um, delight in how it manifested because he literally, everything for him was about money. Yes. It only just, you know, it, it, it is quite uh, apt that the next step was that he was going to eat the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Marie does the only thing that she can do, Becky, the only thing. The only thing. She takes him to a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> you know, you hear this story in reverse so much. Where, you do. <laughs> where you do. men control women by, you know, with mental illness. This is beautiful. Yes. So she was rid of him forever. Good on you, Maria. Yeah, absolutely. So Marie then sold Julia and her Julia and her baby. Look, I can forgive her for this. Yeah, no, yeah. When I read this bit, I sort of lost a bit of heart for it. I'm thinking, oh no. But uh... oh, I mean, you know, I don't know. She'd she'd been through a lot herself. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to forgive her, but yeah. just for the very fact that she'd been married to Lent, you know. Yes. You know, she's been a bit twisted. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Marie did sell Julia and the baby, and then she moved to Germany. We don't know what happened to Marie after this. I hope she had a great life. 
Um, mm -hmm. There are some reports that she she got married again. Oh. I hope she did. I hope she found love. I hope she had a great life. So do I. Yeah. So now this is where things can get a bit confusing. It's not completely clear what happened to the bodies of Julia and the child until around... 1921 I think they were probably exhibited by various people they probably mm. were sold from show person to show person it's it's Dear really God, even not... in death they could not get privacy no no she couldn't get arrest even in death but it's not until 1921 that we know for certain that they were um sold to a Norwegian carnival owner called Lund. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Lund, maybe. It would be. I'll say Lund. So he did exhibit them for a while, but this was the 1920s now. So people were starting to find the idea of carnival freaks distasteful. Wisely so. And Lund's business started to suffer. The embalmed bodies of Julia and her son went into storage. Isn't that just awful? <laughs> no one at any point considered these bodies to be of once living, feeling human beings. They're just... They were stage props. Yeah, that's terrible. They were. They were. They were, they were simply stage props. So they were taken out and exhibited occasionally and there was a time as late as the 1970s yes, that I they know. were actually taken out. But by this time, people were completely outraged. Rightly so. And right, rightly so. And Lund was rightfully shamed into ending his exhibition. Mm. So then the mummified bodies were left in a storehouse and they were left there for a long, long time. A long, 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 long time. And then teenagers came along. They broke into the storehouse. And at first they thought that Julia was a shop mannequin. They played around with her thinking, thinking that she was a mannequin yeah. and they accidentally tore off her arm. Yes. So, I mean, look, I know that these little snots were breaking in probably to steal things, but you've got to feel sorry for a couple of kids who mm -hmm. to a discover, discover mm -hmm. that the shop mannequin that they think they're playing with is an actual human. However. And, yes. However, you know they went back and did it again, right? Oh, did they? Yes. But, hey, teenagers, when they found yeah. out it was real bodies, they actually got more curious. But Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. When I read I that, I thought, know that. Well, I'm, I mean, <laughs> it, got, it got to the point where police did investigate, thank goodness. Thankfully. Because um, they are actually corpses, not stage props. Yes, yes. And they did confirm that they, they were corpses of humans. Um, unfortunately, the body of the baby had been so badly gnawed by rats yeah. that he had to be thrown in the bin. <sighs> Heidi, 
in your research did you come across uh, photographs of them both dead yes because unfortunately yes. so did I and I when I actually saw that photo I thought oh no please I didn't want to see that not for my own sensibilities because obviously I have a very ghoulish interest mm. because I felt like I had taken part in the freak show of it all that, 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 that absolutely because I, I don't think she'd want me to see that you know what I mean no. like, and I felt such no. guilt no, I mean, I, I felt the same way yeah. when I came across a photograph of her naked. Yeah. That's I it. mean, she wouldn't have wanted people no. to see that. And I did no. feel a, ki- a kind of sense of guilt over having yeah. seen it because it, it wasn't for my eyes. Yeah, same, same. It's yeah. Exactly how I felt. Um, I, which I is, mean, it's nice to know that in today's society, the instinctive response, and we're not particularly nice people. No, um, gosh, no. <laughs> We're definitely not particularly woke people. No. But, um, the, 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 the instinctive reaction in us was, oh, so sorry, so sorry. It's indecent. It's indecent. That's not right. It's not yeah. fair. Whereas yeah. in the past, that would have been, woohoo, pay you five bucks to see that. Do yeah. You know? so, that's, yeah. so it's nice to know that society has in some way progressed since Julia's time. Yes. And you know what? I do question the police for the way they disposed of the body. Of, uh, of the boy I yeah. mean they threw him in the bin I mean really oh. would it have been that difficult to yeah. have a small burial I mean he would have he would have been so small I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't have imagined doing such a thing I know with any gun well you look what happened with like 911 yes I'm sorry to bring it up but they they didn't have um, the remains, really. Yes. So they were literally buried. The, the forensic uh, scientists behind it were literally like carefully nourishing a fingernail and ensuring yes. it was properly uh, given back to the family as remains. Yes. What a shame it didn't happen for Julia and her son. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They, I mean, Julia had to fight for her humanity her whole life. And even in death. And even in death. But do you know what? A hero comes in yes! the story. A hero who restores all of the humanity and all of the dignity that was taken away from Laura, from, from Julia and her <laughs> son. And, and I, I, I just I said the hero's name. Uh, yes. yes. Let's, now, when we say the name, let's take a moment's silence. Be very, yes. very respectful because this woman is serious legend status and she we is. adore her. Yes. So an artist called Laura Anderson Barbetta. Yay! Yay! Laura! Yes. So uh, Laura is our hero. Yes. So in 2005, Laura took an interest in the story of Julia. And this was mainly because her sister had been involved in a theatre production. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Um, And and so Laura decided to, to do some research into her life. She was obviously a obsessive. Obviously, a great kind of <laughs> she was a sister we haven't met. She yet. was a sister, so she petitioned um, the university 
the University of Oslo, because at that time, the University of Oslo was holding the body in their medical department. So she petitioned the university for repatriation of Julia's body. And her idea was for Julia to be taken back to Mexico to receive a proper burial. Yeah. She put so much thought and consideration into this. So much yeah. work and it took such a long time. Eight years it took. Or so much bureaucracy. Yeah, so much bureaucracy. And if you think about it, most human beings will do anything to avoid any kind of paperwork because our lives are filled with it. She yes. actively um, embraced this as an important thing and she, bless her soul, she's an amazing woman. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll put a we'll put a picture of her on and the Facebook page. We'll also, so we can appreciate her. We will also put up her artist um, portfolio. Yeah. Have a look at her art. Her art is amazing. So not only is she a wonderful human being, she is a brilliant artist. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great artist, great human being. Yeah. So it took years and years. And in around 2008, uh, she had the help of the Mexican ambassador to Norway. And um, they got her wish yeah. of having Julia's body sent back to Mexico. But it wasn't until around 2013, I think, that um, the burial actually occurred and it was done so respectfully. So respectfully. Um, Laura considered very, very um, cleverly that from the region where Julia would have come from, she was possibly Catholic, most likely mm. Catholic. So she ensured it was a Catholic interment. Yes, and, and she even organised a traditional Catholic mass. Yes. For Julia, which is lovely. And the New York Times have a beautiful article about this. So if you're looking for it, it's dated February the 11th, 2013. Mm. And uh, there was a quote from Laura um, that was really touching because she was actually able to look at her and um, to look at Julia. And she said, her hands were tiny and perfect. Oh. And just the idea of her of finally looking at Julia's body but on a, in this, oh, it, yes, oh, but looking, but looking at her as a fellow artist, and looking at her, uh, yeah, I'm as a, as a woman, and and noticing that she creative. has these tiny, perfect hands. That is a lovely, happy. Someone finally loved it. Is it is, and I mean, and there are some quite harrowing details in that article. For instance, the metal rods that um, had her standing up in the display case were still in her body, oh. and so they had to be taken out. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, I'm glad they did that. I'm so they glad did. they did that. They did, and it was all done properly. It was all done beautifully, and even though Julia did not get a hero in her lifetime, yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that she did. So so am I. I'm glad finally, that eventually, was, finally, after literally a hundred years, I think we're talking. Yeah. Um, after a century, some respect yeah. and dignity 
and gravitas was returned to her life. I'm, I'm and, and, that, and that somebody cared enough. Yeah. Somebody cared enough to fight for that dignity. It's There's something just very life-affirming and beautiful about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Heidi, thank you so much for that particular obsession. I've really enjoyed this. You've introduced me to this one, and I really enjoyed travelling this path. Well, if you... I know that you're not into historical novels, but if anyone out there is, I do, I really do recommend Carol Birch's Orphans of the Carnival. It is really a beautiful novel and it portrays Julia in such an intelligent and sensitive way. She's not portrayed as pitiful. She's not portrayed as um, some poor creature she is a well-rounded human being it's it's a lovely novel and of course the other woman to check out here is laura fabata beautiful artist yeah absolutely thank so, you Heidi. thank you and guys if you could submit or even leave a nice review, perhaps, we would really appreciate that. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook at Hobsession and join in the conversation. Maybe you know things about Julia that we don't know. Please let us know. Until next week, take care and happy obsessing. Cheerio. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.